It's a great day. Loving the weather out there. Yay for extended summer and sunshine. If you have a a smartphone or your tablet, this is the moment when you want to open up the Evangel app. If you want to follow along, you can download it from the App Store, uh, search Evangel Montreal. And on there are all the announcements that Pastor Shannon just gave and also the notes for this morning's message, which is starting now. So you could do that. And you can also order um, a CD if you want to of just the messages, just the talking parts. Uh, from Sunday mornings, you can order a CD at the Resource Zone if you want to catch up on, on some of the things that you've been missing while you've been away. So we started a new series last Sunday called, What If Jesus Was a Quebecer? And if you, how many were here for the beginning of that series? Hands up. Okay, so most of you were here. If you weren't, I don't self-promote often, but if you weren't here last Sunday, you need to download and listen to the message last Sunday because we kind of introduced the whole series and where we're going to be going over the next six weeks or so, and I just want you to have a good framework and understand um, what the purpose is behind all of it. But we said that, that what if Jesus was a Quebecer, and last week we said our purpose is to help people meet Jesus. Okay, now say that with me. You ready? Our purpose is to help people meet Jesus. It's really important that you understand that. That is key to this whole series. It's key to what we're doing. Our our purpose, we're not just simply um, a gathering of followers of Jesus or a church that's just self-involved. We're not not selfish and staying within our own walls and just serving ourselves and doing what we want to do to just, you know, deepen our faith and and make ourselves feel good. We, We don't do that. Our purpose is to help people meet Jesus. Jesus gave us those instructions himself. And, and we call it the Great Commission. He just called it the instructions. But, but the Great Commission is what he gave us, and it tells us what our purpose is. In Matthew 28, it said, Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And you can see in the directions that he gave us there that our purpose is to help people meet Jesus, okay? Now, I just want you to turn to the person beside you and just say, our purpose is to help people meet Jesus. Go ahead, right out loud, right out loud. Okay, and then, and then just look at that same person if you want, if you've, you know, bonded, or you want to turn the person on the other side and just go, my purpose is to help people meet Jesus. Okay, our purpose is to help people meet Jesus. It's not, it's not an option as a follower of Jesus. It's not a, it's not a little side dish on the entree of our, of our main faith. It's not something that, th- this is our purpose. And we said last week, and I'm just, I'm just reviewing a little bit of what we said last week to get all of our brains on the same page. But we said last week that we don't, we don't just come to church on Sunday morning to practice our faith. We don't come to church in order to spend 60 or 70 minutes, you know, doing Christianity, and then walk out the door and live our regular life. That's, that's not what we do. We, we come here to this space. We come together to learn, to be strengthened, to be refueled, to, to worship together. We come together for all of that. And then we are deployed. Each one of us is sent out those doors because we're not coming to church. We are the church You are the church. I am the church. And we are the ones that are carrying Jesus outside these doors to to help 
people meet Jesus because that's our purpose. That's, that's why we're here. And last week we talked about the idea of, of missions and um, how when in order to, to do missions or when you're talking about carrying Jesus to another culture, you're connecting with a world that has different values. You're connecting with a world that has a different, different sense of humor. Uh, different, different things that might offend them, different values, different priorities, a different language. And it used to be that when we talked about missions, that we were talking about somebody that was going somewhere else. They were going somewhere else to another land, another culture, another, another part of the world. And, and in order for them to do that and to be effective, they had to learn what that culture was first. They had to learn the language. They had to learn the culture so that they could be effective at carrying Jesus there. But we said, but today, today, I don't want to burst your missions bubble, but today missions is also right outside our doors. Don't tell anyone. It's right outside the doors. And we talked about, we, we have all kinds of students, thousands and thousands of students right around our building here who have come from all over the world to learn. We, we are filled with and surrounded by newcomers to Canada. We, we are live in a world, in a culture, even just Quebecers who have been born and raised in Quebec and they've never experienced a healthy, thriving church. They've never experienced a living relationship with a God who loves them. Missions is right here, and we have to learn how to connect with the people that are right outside our doors. And so we threw this, this quote up on the, on the screens last Sunday, and I just wanted to review it with you again. It was by a guy named Andrew Walls, who is a, um, a, a missionary historian. And he said, the fundamental missionary experience is to live on terms set by others. I'm so captured. By that, by that phrase, the fundamental missionary experience is to live on terms set by others. We can't demand that people listen to us if we haven't bothered to find out who they are. We can't, um, we can't be a missionary to another culture on our culture's terms. We have to learn how to live on other people's terms so that we can carry Jesus to them. And if we're going to help people meet Jesus, which is our purpose, and we're going to help carry Jesus to others, we have to be actually really intentional about that. And, and we might have to sacrifice our own preferences, the things we're most comfortable with. And we might have to step outside of our own comfort zone in order to reach people Jesus loves. And so last week we said that the Apostle Paul kind of, he said the same thing when he was writing a letter to the church in Corinth. And, and I'm, I'm shortening today what, what it was we went over last week. But the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 said, Even though I am a free man with no master... I have become a slave. I am living on terms set by others, other people, okay? I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. And I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do what? Sorry? I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessings. That, that sentence that he says in there of, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. That, that is powerful. And it's amazing how Paul talked about it because he said, I'm still following God. 
I'm still following God's laws. I'm still following Jesus, but I'm adapting to the culture that I'm in. And I'm, I'm, I'm shifting and adapting how I behave or how I talk or what I do to the people that I'm with. And I'm doing that without compromising the passion of my faith. And without compromising the integrity of my faith. And, and, and the simple truth is, we said that actually to be able to do that, to be able to walk that fine line where we, we hang on to the integrity and passion of our faith while also adapting to the culture that we're in. That fine line takes all kinds of wisdom and maturity to walk that line. And, and I said last week, I just told you straight up, I don't have a little simplistic, you know, little meme that I can give you or a little phrase that will just make that fine line easy to find. It actually takes wisdom and it takes maturity. It takes, it takes depth because it's complex to practice that. And wisdom and maturity come through living Christian life, following Jesus, practicing the things that help us to grow, reading our Bibles, praying, being part of a local church, living generously, inviting the Holy Spirit to be active in our lives over and over again. These are all the things that help us to mature and gain wisdom. And it also means, by the way, that we need to think. We have to think. People think that that faith is where you turn your brain off. No, 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 please don't. We have to think about the culture that we're in. And whether it's, whether you, the, the world that you function in is, it, you're going to identify and you're going to go, oh, it really is very, very Quebec type. Or maybe you function in a different bubble or a different world within, you live in Quebec, but you're, you have a different culture that you sort of function. It doesn't matter. But you, we need to learn to think about the culture that we're interacting with and, and make it our life's passion to see who those people are and learn their language and find out what matters to them. Because Jesus said our purpose is to help people meet him. So we have to learn the culture in order to do that. So we're, we're taking this series to learn about the Quebec culture, and, and because this is where we are. And so um, we're working off this book called Cracking the Quebec Code, and there are more available at the Resource Zone. We sold out last week, but we ordered in some more, and we got you some more. And so if you want to buy one, then you can. Just negotiate with Olga, and she'll give you the best price. And, and, and we're kind of going through that and, and matching it together with Scripture and going, where is it that we can interact with the characteristics of the culture that we're in. And rather than simply criticizing or consuming the culture that we're in and, you know, waiting for our culture to do something and then reacting to it, rather than that, we're going we're gonna to look for common ground. We're going to look for, we're going to use scripture to help us find common ground. How, how do we cultivate, how do we help maintain what is already good? And, and, and where are the gaps in our culture that we have something to offer, that we can add into that and we can create? So where do we, where do we create and cultivate instead of just criticizing and consuming? So in this book, there are seven keys listed. I'm telling you straight up, we're only doing six because one of them doesn't apply to Montreal. And uh, so here we go. You ready? You excited? Okay, here we go. Key number one of, 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 of um, what if Jesus was a Quebecer of the Quebec code? Key number one is joie de vivre. Okay? Say it with me. One, two, three. Joie de vivre. Turn the person beside you and go, saw that coming. Okay. Okay. Now, listen, I'm going to just tell you a couple stories here. Okay? When Jeff and I were considering moving here to Montreal... And uh, we were visiting the city, and nobody really knew we were here, but we were just visiting the city, and, and we came when there was no snow, because if you're going to consider moving to Montreal and visit the city ahead, you should definitely visit in summer, right? Am I right? And so we came uh, when it was warm and the weather was warm, and we walked um, one evening down St. Catherine Street. And we're walking down St. Catherine Street, and we're just walking along going, oh my goodness. Now, 
look at all the patios on the street. Now, that's Ontario language. They're called terrace. Okay, I know that now. There were all these terrace out there in front of the restaurants, in front of the cafes, and we sat at one. And I, I took that picture that night. We sat at one, and, and we just ate some food, and we enjoyed the summer breeze, and, and we just marveled. We said, look at how people are just, they're just enjoying the evening right here on St. Catherine Street. And, and, and the streets were filled with people, but, but the people weren't in a hurry. They weren't, they weren't all business, you know, walking fast and frowning slightly in order to look important. And they were just, they were just chatting together. And they were laughing. And they were smiling. And they were eating. And some of them were drinking and smoking. And, and we just marveled. We, we sat on this, on this terrace and we said, what, what's happening here? This is different than anything we've quite experienced. But how do we describe this? And one of us said, I can't remember which one. One of us said, well, you know, it's like there's that, what's that phrase? This joie de vivre. This enjoyment of life that's happening. And then, um, maybe a month or two later, somewhere in the middle of the summer, uh, we're moving a little further down this process of, are we moving to Montreal? And, and, uh, and we had to come back to the city because I was, I was meeting with the lead team. And they were interviewing me, and I was interviewing them. And we were talking about what things would look like if we came and all of this. And, and the meeting hadn't started yet. And uh, I'm sitting in the, in the boardroom with the lead team, and a couple of them were running late. And so there was some conversation happening among the members of the lead team about why these one or two people might, might not have arrived yet, why they were late. And one of them said, well, now it's the construction break, so there's no traffic. And I said, what now? And they said, oh, it's a construction break. I said, the construction break? What on earth is a construction break? And they said, oh, well, what happens is everything just shuts down for two weeks. And, and just in the warm weather and in the summer, all the construction workers, they just, they just take two weeks off, and, and all the construction just shuts down so that they can have vacation. And I went, what? Okay, I'm from Ontario. I never heard of anything like that in my entire life, can I just tell you. We, in southwestern Ontario, where I am from, okay, there's no construction break. We're, we're all about efficiency and work and getting the job done, and we move faster and harder when, when, when it's summer. And I have a brother-in-law and a nephew, both of whom work in construction in Ontario. And, and, and summer, I could just tell you, is peak time because there's longer daylight. There's longer days. They work longer days in the summer. You don't take vacation in the middle of July when you're in construction in Ontario. You take vacation in January when you can't do anything anyway. And so, so that's when the longest hours happen. That's when you get the construction. There's no construction break in Ontario. And so I, I explained this to the lead team members, and they just looked bewildered. And they said to me, well, but, but they need a vacation. And the, the kids are off school, and, and that's how the families can have vacation together. Joie de vivre, this enjoyment of life. It makes sense to a Quebecer. For an Ontarian like me, it took a little getting used to. And for some of you, you're from other places or other cultures, and you might have a different perspective again. But Quebecers, the biggest key of understanding the province of Quebec is this joie de vivre. It's the first and biggest key. Quebecers enjoy life. They enjoy living in the moment. It is the biggest difference, just so you know, between Quebec and the rest of Canada. Okay? Let me throw some stats at you. Ready? 76% of French Quebecers prioritize pleasure over responsibility. 76%. Only 53% of English Quebecers 
prioritize pleasure over responsibility. And by the way, the rest of Canada, if you ask them where they rank pleasure or joie de vivre or the enjoyment of life, it comes after family, children, and work. Once family, children, and work, and all of that has been done and handled, then, then they, will, they will move on and they will, they will maybe have a little bit of time for joie de vivre. Quebecers enjoy life. Quebec is all about enjoying life right now. And Quebec is happier than the rest of Canada. If you, if you do these, these surveys, which they did in this book, it said that 88% of Quebecers will say that they are happy. I'm happy, which is awesome. It's more than the rest of Canada. And maybe part of the reason for that is there's, a, there's less inequality in Quebec than in the rest of Canada. So Quebec has higher taxes, which is kind of a bummer. But, but therefore, we also have more social services here. So we have uh, lower tuition we have affordable daycare, we have longer parental leave, and that means that there is less of a gap between the rich and poor in Quebec than there is in the rest of Canada. So, so usually when you're, when you're rating the happiness of a nation or of a community, one of the factors that tends to impact that is how much inequality is there? How much of a gap is there? People aren't just unhappy because they're poor. They're unhappy because they're poor and somebody else is super rich. So the bigger the gap is, the lower the level of happiness. And Quebec has a smaller gap, which may explain why more Quebecers will say they're happy than, than the rest of Canada. Um, Quebecers love music. It's an expression of their identity. And they love humor. They love nothing more than a good laugh. And, okay, Quebecers love food. Did anybody else know that? It's a lifestyle here. It is not just something that one eats in order to continue existing to another day. Quebecers love their food. Quebecers love cooking. They love discovering new food. They love variety in their menus. They love good quality food and drink, although they're less likely to binge than the rest of, rest, than the rest of Canada. And get this, Quebecers earn less than the rest of Canada, and they're willing to make sacrifices, but not on a good meal. They're not sacrificing on a good meal. And so I pulled this quote out where it said, Quebecers are, are more likely to eat breakfast, this is compared to the rest of Canada, Quebecers are more likely to eat breakfast, take an hour for lunch, take time at meals, and eat desserts daily. They plan their meals more, they cook more, and they pay more attention to food quality. Quebecers would rather spend money on good food than on housing. And so they're actually less likely than the rest of Canada to own a house. But it's okay because they got a good meal. Okay? Quebecers love their food. And they love the Montreal Canadiens. I'm acknowledging it. Okay? They love the Habs. It's, it's like a religion. <laughs> it dominates all the media. Uh, a few years ago, in 2013... If you took all of the sports coverage that was done in Quebec, 78% of that sports coverage was about the Habs, okay? And if you took all of the news coverage, I mean everything that was in the news in Quebec in 2013, all of it, health, education, you know, politics, everything, 12% of all the news content in Quebec was about the Habs, okay? Quebecers love the Habs as long as they're winning, Okay? And Quebecers love festivals. Love 
festivals. There are hundreds of festivals throughout this province. And there, I, I saw this article um, on a CBC website in, in August, and it said Montreal is a city of festivals. And they're increasing. The, the number of festivals is increasing, and the number of people that attend those festivals is increasing. I mean, we will just have a festival over anything. Okay, Montreal, just Montreal, our city, hosts 144 festivals every year. And that doesn't count the independent little events by the different boroughs. We're a city of festivals. Just for Laughs Festival is the biggest in the world in its category. Okay, and, and so let me just show you one more quote here. And, and I want you to see it because it's about Quebec. But I also want you to imagine if it was a description of the church. You Ready? Quebecers like to share cultural and social experiences in groups large and small in a friendly and festive environment. They also like to take in all different styles of music from around the world, and they love a good party. Joie de vivre. It's the first and biggest key to understanding this culture of Quebec that we're in. And so what if... What if, what if Jesus was a Quebecer? <laughs> how, would, how would he interact with all of this? Would he, would he be going to the festivals? Would he be enjoying the food? What would he be doing? And, and I think, I think maybe that Christianity in the province of Quebec or a religion in the province of Quebec, I think that maybe it has had a bit of a reputation for not enjoying life, Okay. That joie de vivre has not been a high priority, I think, in in how Quebec has viewed religion or has viewed Christianity. And so I I pulled together a group of people. I've had a few people that are helping me with this series because I'm from Ontario talking about Quebec, and I don't want to mess it up. And so I asked some Quebecers to help me, and they've been talking to me on the side so that I don't make any huge mistakes. And they said to me, well, Patty, the thing is, is the church in the history in Quebec, especially the Roman Catholic Church, is very strong on, on guilt, and on, you know, the sadness that comes with guilt and shame and all of that kind of thing. And that was part of, the, part of the history there. But I think, I think, I think that Jesus would have found common ground with this characteristic of joie de vivre. I, I think that, that he would have found common ground with it. Because, because here's the thing. One of the criticisms that were leveled against Jesus when he was here on earth, one of the criticisms that came against him by religious people was that, well, he, he kind of enjoyed life too much. That's what religious people disliked about him. And so you could see in, in both Matthew eleven nineteen and Luke chapter 7, 34, it's the same, same text, and it's, it's repeated twice in the Bible. Jesus talked about some of the criticisms that had come against him. And he was talking about, he, he compared it to John the Baptist. And, and he said, you know, John the Baptist, he said, fasted and, and, and didn't eat food. And he called for repentance. And, and joy wasn't maybe his biggest, his biggest characteristic. And he said, you didn't like John the Baptist because he fasted and called for repentance. And so you, you religious people, you said he had a demon. And he said, but Jesus, on the other hand, but the son of man, me, Jesus said, the son of man goes around eating and drinking. And you say, oh. That man eats and drinks too much. He's even a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That was the criticism against Jesus. Apparently, he didn't have a reputation for being sour and sad and somber. Apparently, he had a reputation for enjoying life. 
Apparently, Jesus had a reputation for hanging out with, with non-religious people and enjoying eating and drinking with them. I, I think Jesus might have fit right in with Quebecers and their joie de vivre and their love of life. And I think he would maybe look at the rest of us with a smile and go, are, are you coming? Like, let's go. I love, I just love the story of Jesus' first miracle, okay? It's, it's pretty fun. Um, it's, and I'm going to read it to you, and, and we're just going to, it's right after he collects all his disciples together for the first time. So it's right after he's collected them, and the story is told in John chapter 2 of the first miracle of Jesus. Here it is, John chapter 2. Three days later, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was at a wedding feast in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited and were there. And when the wine was all gone, Mary said to Jesus, they don't have any more wine. Jesus replied, mother, my time has not yet come. You must not tell me what to do. Does anyone have a mother that tells them what to do? Okay, so did the Messiah. Mary then said to the servants, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. At the feast, there were six stone water jars that were used by the people for washing themselves in the way that their religion said they must. Each jar held about 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus told the servants to fill them to the top with water. Then, after the jars had been filled, he said, Now take some water and give it to the man in charge of the feast. The servants did as Jesus told them. And the man in charge drank some of the water that had now turned into wine. He didn't know where the wine had come from, but the servants did. So he called the bridegroom over and he said, the best wine is always served first. And then after the guests have had plenty, the other wine is served. But you, you've kept the best until last. This was Jesus' first miracle. And he did it in the village of Cana in Galilee. There, Jesus showed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. Now, listen, this, this is a fun story on all kinds of levels. And you, you could talk about any number of things from this story. You could talk about, about strong-willed moms telling their grown sons what to do, even though he's the Messiah, okay? You, you could talk about um, hosts of weddings not being properly prepared for the number of guests that are coming and just how bad that is. You could talk about um, the unimportant people, the servants, you know, who were behind the scenes, who the ones who knew the miracle happened and all that they saw and they got to be part of it. While the important people, the ones out front, didn't even know. They didn't even know that a miracle had happened. Didn't know God was there. You, or you could really talk about the disciples because it seems like this miracle was really for them because they saw it and it was their first experience of Jesus and it became a catalyst for them to put their faith in Jesus. So you could talk about all of those things and maybe we will on another day. But, but really, just if we just take it at face value, the one simple reality is no matter how you tell this story... Jesus' first miracle was at a party. Jesus' first miracle was at a celebration. And and he made the host look good. He made the party better. Jesus' first miracle, Jesus' presence added to the celebration. They were glad that he was there. Just let that sink in for just a moment. Jesus, people liked being around Jesus. 
sinners liked being around Jesus. The only ones who didn't like being around Jesus were the super strict, sour, legalistic, somber, religious people. Those were the only ones that didn't like being around Jesus. And somehow, Jesus managed to be absolutely sinless without being judgy. And somehow, Jesus managed to passionately follow God and do God's will without alienating regular people who didn't know God yet. And somehow, Jesus managed to preserve his identity and his faith and his love for God in a way that made religious people nervous, (laughs) but it made non-religious people laugh. And it made non-religious people trust. And it made non-religious people want to know more. I think Jesus would easily have found common ground with this Quebec characteristic, this Quebec value of joie de vivre. Now, let me just say right out loud, there are times that the Christian church has not always been good at that. We, we have either, when we talk about, about enjoying life or, or, you know, joie de vivre, we, we have sometimes in the Christian church, we've either criticized it because we've, we've frowned on too much laughter. Don't let it get out of control, you know. Or we, we worry that enjoying the simple pleasures of life might be sinful. Or we have insisted that we need to concentrate on the serious business of God. So sometimes we've, we've criticized this whole thing. And sometimes we've, we've actually consumed it. We've gone to the other extreme, and we've just totally consumed this idea of, of, of enjoying life, of the pleasures of life, of joie de vivre. And we, and we try to make, for example, our Sunday morning just, just totally entertaining. And everything that happens on it when we gather together has to be fun and cool and, and just get as much enjoyment as possible. We're going to be the biggest show in town. And, and we do it in such a way that we're not actually impacting real life. And we're not contributing to depth of faith that people need to have. You know, just come on, pastor, hurry up, wrap up the service. I got a festival to go to, right? So sometimes the church has, has, we haven't handled this well because we've either criticized or we've consumed culture. But the reality is there is room for the church, there's room for Christians to connect with this cultural value while still maintaining our faith. There's, There's room for us to create and to cultivate culture within this characteristic of joie de vivre. Jesus enjoyed life. And, and even, even the Old Testament wisdom literature, which tends to be fairly, fairly serious, even it said it's okay to enjoy life. In Ecclesiastes chapter 8, the writer said, I recommend having fun. How many go, I did not know the Bible said that. Okay. I recommend having fun because there's nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. And that way, they will experience some happiness along with all the hard work God gives them under the sun. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life. There's nothing wrong with with laughter and music and festivals and food and entertainment. In fact, there's, there's lots of room to create or cultivate this cultural value in everything we do together as a church and as we individually carry Jesus out to our world. There's nothing wrong with it. Can I tell you some stories? Can I give you some examples? 
Some of you are waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're waiting for me to go, but then that's enough. I'm not going to do that. Joie de vivre. It's okay to be happy. Just turn the person beside you and say, it's okay to enjoy life. Just t- the pastor said so. Okay? You can even smile if you want to. Let me give you some stories of, of things that we do at Evangel as a church, all of us together, to tie into this, to create and to cultivate culture along with the joie de vivre. So we have, we have um, summer festivals in Cabot Square and, and where we go out there and we just we play music and we have um, free food and we sometimes have little uh, bouncing castles and stuff for kids and we give things away and we just have a good time. We do all of that out there. We, we have the community Thanksgiving dinner coming up, which you heard about uh, earlier in the service, and it'll be on Thanksgiving Monday, and we serve food, and it's good food, good food, mind you, good food that gets served to hundreds of people in the community on Thanksgiving. We all gather together and eat it. We have Fifth Sunday coming up on the, at the end of October, and, and our Fifth Sundays anyway are a huge celebration of anything we can think of to celebrate, baptisms, babies, new members, whatever. We're just excited to celebrate, and then we all eat together, and in October, we thought, well, let's just ramp it up a little, and we're going to add in there the Samaritan's Purse shoe boxes that we gather together, and we thought, well, let's just put the family fun fest on the same day as well. So it's going to be the biggest party. It's going to be a great day. And, and then um, we have Christmas in the park coming up. And so we decided, let's, instead of having Christmas in here, let's just take it right out the doors. And we're going to go out to Cabot Square and there'll be a drama that talks about the birth of Jesus. And, and we're going to sing Christmas carols. And we've already decided we're going to sing one that is specifically a Quebec Christmas carol. And I don't know it, but some of the other people do. And so we're going to do that as well. And we're going to do hot chocolate and serve that outside and include the kids in the hall. And then New Year's Eve is another fifth Sunday. So we're just combining the awesomeness of fifth Sunday with New Year's Eve. It's going to be awesome. These are some of the things that we do as a church, just, you know, one at a time. We do this, we do that. And then every week we do stuff. So our, our Connect Cafe downstairs, that's supposed to contribute towards, you know, the love of food, love of coffee, love of just spending time together. Or our, our ECAT, our, our Evangel Creative Arts team, they work hard to do good music up here so that we can worship, but we can also enjoy the value of enjoying life and enjoying good music while we're worshiping God. And then, and then we just open the doors to the street, as you heard, and people walking by just come in because they hear the music. It happened last Sunday. It happens often. Often, our doors are open, the music goes out, and people come in because they hear of the music in the street. We join in community festivals and events and stuff that are out there just to participate in community fun that's happening. There's room for us to create and cultivate culture. And some of you go, well, that is great, Pastor Patty. Good job. Some of you are going, that's great that this church does that. I will definitely mark it on my calendar and show up and enjoy it. No, you will mark it on your calendar and show up and help make it all happen. Because it's a lot of work, and it takes a lot of money, and it takes a lot of time to make all of this happen. And we're not just doing it for fun. This church is not separate from you. You are the church, and this church is working hard to connect with the joie de vivre that matters so much to the culture that we're in. So you got to help us with it. we got to work together and make it happen. Listen, Quebecers are not interested in a church that doesn't know how to enjoy life. They're not. 
They, they don't want to be lectured and judged and frowned at, and they don't want to be serious all the time. And I would venture to say, and I'm saying this carefully, but I think this matters, okay? We're a little bit lighthearted today, but this matters, okay? I would venture to say that it is just as important that we do the fun things out there that speak to the culture that we're in, just as important to do that as to gather in here and worship God on Sunday morning. Because if we can't show our culture a God who created pleasure. If we can't show our world a God who created laughter and music and joy and fun, then we're doing it wrong. And we're missing the boat. And as a local church, there's tons of room to create and cultivate this great cultural value. And then there's, there's room for us individually to contribute towards it as well. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and they're going to get ready because, oh, we're ending with music this morning, okay? But just before we do, you know, there are things that you can do and that you're already doing individually to carry Jesus to your world because we walk out of here. With, so let me give you some examples. One of you, these are real examples of people in Evangel. One of you, several years ago, joined a softball league. And you did it so that you could exercise, but you also did it so that you could, you could meet people outside the church and not just be in the bubble of Christians. And so you, you play softball and you scream and you jump with joy whenever you win a game. And then you go out with the team afterwards to celebrate. And the person I'm, I'm talking about is a non-drinker. So you order something non-alcoholic while the rest of the team, you know, does what they do. And you have, because of all that, you have had incredible opportunities to pray with people, to invite them to evangel, to show them who Jesus is. Jesus One of you, in fact, probably more than, well, than one of you, but one of you that I have in mind, you make friends with food and you love cooking food and you cook food and your freezer is full of food. And then you take food down the street to your neighbors and you invite people over to your house for food and it is good food. Thank you very much. And you, you understand the pleasure of life and developing friendships and showing people Jesus. And then one of you is slightly different. One of you is a foodie which is different than just loving food, okay? One of you, and probably more than one, is a foodie, which means you love going out in the city that is filled with amazing restaurants, and you love discovering it. You love discovering different kinds of food. And you do that with your work friends. You do that with your colleagues. In fact, you are so intentional about it that you actually, the person I'm thinking of, actually turned me down, and I'm delightful, Turned me down one day when I said, hey, do you want to explore this new restaurant? They said, yes, I do, but I'm not doing it with you. I've already, <laughs> I've already committed to doing it with one of my work colleagues, and it matters to me to connect with them. It's what you do. You understand taking joie de vivre to your world. Some of you play soccer. You get together once a week through the whole summer, some of you from, from Evangel, and you play at a park down the street, and you invite people to join in, and when there's people in the park on the sidelines, you say, hey, do you want to play? And they join in, and they play with you. Jeff and I, a few weeks ago, we were invited. We just moved to a new condo several months ago, and, and just a couple weeks ago, we were invited to a party in our condo building, one of our neighbors, and, and we were a little bit nervous because we didn't know anybody, and, and Jeff likes crowds, but I don't. I would rather sit in a corner with a book. I call that a party. And, and, and we didn't know anybody, and we weren't sure, and we were busy. We were legitimately busy. We had company over for the weekend, but we said, you know what? This matters. And so we took time, and we went to the party, and we, we, we laughed, and we exchanged stories, and we told jokes, and we got to know who our neighbors are. Listen, it's not hard to enjoy life in this city. 
It's not hard to walk out this value of joie de vivre while being a Christian and while being a follower of Jesus. Just, just go to a festival or invite somebody over for lunch or go watch a Habs game with somebody or do whatever you need to do. But be a follower of Jesus that people like being around. Be a follower of Jesus that sinners like being around. Okay? And if nothing else, okay, if nothing else, why don't you just stand with me, okay? If nothing else and you don't know what else to do, just start a conversation with a friend. I'm going to tell you how, okay? Think of your work friend or your neighbor or somebody that you're like, well, I'm not sure how to. Here's the conversation you have. Go sit down with them this week over coffee or over your desk or whatever you need to do and just go, listen, at my church, my pastor, she's a woman, by the way. Tell them that. The conversation just takes right off, okay? But... My, at my church, my pastor, who's a woman, she's talking about Quebec culture. And she says that one of the biggest characteristics of Quebec is joie de vivre, the joy of life. And she says that Jesus had that. And she says that churches should get on board with that. What do you think? You say that to just about anybody. And I'm telling you, a conversation's going to start. And it might be a good conversation. And it might be a meaningful conversation. And it might end up actually being a conversation on the way to the place where you get to introduce your friend to Jesus. Because that's our purpose, helping people meet Jesus. That's good? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to end this morning with music. It's good music. And here's what I want you to do. Turn the person beside you and just try smiling. I don't, want you in, don't injure yourself. But just raise the corners of your mouth ever so slightly. Let it right up into your cheeks, okay? Okay, and then put your hands together, see if it makes noise. Okay, try. And then you can even let a little ha-ha-ha-ha, right? And we're going to open the doors so that the music goes out there, and we are going to end this morning with the biggest celebration that we've had in a while. Is that all right? We could do that? Let's do it.